0: Talking birds. Free, free, free,
1: free. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. BirdwatchersGeneralStore dot com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. September means back to school and back to binoculars as we watch for the start of the fall migration. We hope you'll continue your schooling by coming for a free walk with us. Ocean State Bird Club is on Facebook and at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. That's www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show number 743. Guess whose cholesterol is going up? Yep, American crows in the city. A research team at Hamilton College in Clinton, New York, wondered how urban living was affecting these birds, including with respect to their cholesterol levels. So they conducted an experiment using a very popular human food, cheeseburgers. Mmm. Previous studies had shown that the more urban the bird, the higher its cholesterol, and that apparently applies to the crows as well. Fledglings of the burger fed birds had higher cholesterol on average than those that didn't eat burgers. However, in some good news for the crows, the study suggests that it's unclear if the higher cholesterol levels have any negative effects on the birds. In fact, although young urban birds generally have a lower survival rate than their country cousins, the crows that ate the cheeseburgers in this study seem to be in better condition than the ones that didn't eat the burgers. In a case you wonder, the source of the burgers was a nearby McDonald's. You can find the whole story on our website, talkingbirds.com, And the reason why you can do that, by the way, is because we have a new and beautiful, improved website. Up until now, we were only able to post info like this crow cholesterol story on our Facebook page. But thanks to our new website's capabilities, we can now post that info right there. That's a talkingbirds.com. Dot com. Please do check it out. That's TalkinBirds.com, no G in Talkin'. Well, Talkin' Birds listeners, if you're anywhere near the great state of Rhode Island, we like to think you might want to know that on Sunday, September 8th, we'll be airing our show live from the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend there at their nature center and aquarium in beautiful Bristol, Rhode Island. And to tell us a bit about that weekend, we now welcome Audubon of Rhode Island's own Jeff Hall. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Ray. Happy September. Happy September and almost Labor Day to you. So last year, Jeff, we had right there on the Raptor Weekend a laughing kookaburra on the air with us. I don't know if that bird will be available this year, but I understand that you do an excellent
3: kookaburra impression. Is that, is that true? or just... <laughs> you, you, are, you are making that up, Ray. But I tell you, we should have a contest at this year's Raptor Weekend for the best kookaburra impersonation and then we'll give two free tickets to next year's raptor weekend how about that
2: that is brilliant okay kookaburra impression contest we'll have to get we'll get to to to... work we'll get to work on that immediately and find out what the (laughs) judging what the judging criteria will be exactly so what will (laughs) good point what will visitors to the raptor weekend experience
3: jeff right so we've got eagles owls hawks falcons. We have rehabilitators coming from all over New England. We have the Vermont Institute of Natural Science. will be doing live uh, uh, free flight demonstrations with their birds. We've got some lectures. Alan Poole, who uh, wrote the book, A Revival of the Osprey. He's going to be there doing a lecture. Tom French, who is going to talk about uh, the revival of the peregrine falcon. He was mm-hmm. in Massachusetts with the endangered bird, uh, I mean endangered species program. We've got uh, activities for kids. It's an all-age event. It's our biggest event of the year, and everybody is welcome.
2: All right, and Peter Green will be there, a great urban bird photographer, and he'll be our guest on that show as well. So that should be a really cool weekend, just as it has been in the past. Saturday and Sunday, September 7th and 8th, the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Raptor Weekend. And the best thing to go on the website, Jeff, for more info?
3: Yes, yes, Uh, www.asri.org. It's right on the main page. You can get the schedule of events, who's coming. You can purchase tickets online, 10 to 4, both days.
2: All right, we'll see you next week, Jeff.
3: Okay, Ray, looking forward to it. Practice your kookaburra.
2: I'm working on it. I'm working on it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Jeff Hall down there at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island at website again for info on the Raptor Weekend and lots more is ASRI.org. That would be our mystery bird. Our mystery bird. What do you think that mystery bird is? Don't call us now because uh, we're not doing the contest just yet. This is a little preview of our mystery bird contest. And... uh, and by the way, we've, uh, we've, we've got to make an adjustment here because that was not the sound that we were looking for for our mystery bird because we had changed this from a different mystery bird earlier. So that's the source of the confusion, but we'll get that squared away. But we'll give you some good clues in the meantime. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a plain olive green back, wings, and tail. Its throat and upper chest are yellow, and the male looks as though he may be attempting to disguise his identity. And I don't mean because he happens to have pink legs. Our bird, which breeds through Alaska, Canada, and the U.S., and winters in the southern states and the tropics, also likes to eat insects and spiders, which it gleans from foliage. And even though I can't play the t- song, the sound of the bird right now, I can tell you it kind of sounds like witchity, witchity, witchity. That's a pretty good clue, you have to admit. Witchity, witchity, witchity. So, in lieu of the actual sound of the bird, there's a pretty good impression. Not a kookaburra, but our mystery bird. So we'll do the contest in just a little bit. Meanwhile, a great thank you to our newest Talking Birds ambassador, helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation, Debbie DeLorme from Fort Mill, South Carolina, which, according to Niche.com, is one of the best places to live in the entire state. Debbie, thank you so much. becoming an ambassador talking birds listeners we hope you'll join our ambassadors family along with more than 385 other listeners by allowing us to send you some of our info cards for you to hand out at your convenience to friends and neighbors and fellow birders to join the family just visit our beautiful new and improved website still at talkingbirds.com click on the new get involved button and then choose become an ambassador that's it Still to come on our show today, we'll place a call to Wimberley, Texas to talk with wild bird expert and world traveler Jesse Hooth about his recent birding trip to Chernobyl, Ukraine, site of the world's worst ever nuclear disaster. Plus, we'll meet up with Mike O'Connor on Cape Cod for another installment in our Let's Ask Mike Live series. And up next, a bird with some nifty plumes and a rather unusual bill is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. When is a parakeet not a parakeet? Well, it might be when it's a parakeet auklet, a small North Pacific seabird. It looks like this its head and upper parts are black, the underparts are white and in summer it flashes distinct white plumes behind the eyes. It has a large bright orange parakeet-like bill whose unusual cone shape is thought to be an adaptation for feeding on slimy gelatinous prey like jellyfish. The parakeet auklet is found mostly in the boreal waters of the Bering Sea from Alaska to Siberia and along the Aleutian Islands it's sometimes found as far south as California. Parakeet auklets are well adapted to swimming underwater, using their wings to propel themselves in pursuit of prey. Like other auks, their legs are set far back on their bodies, so they're clumsy on land and walk mostly on the bases of their legs rather than on their toes. And like most other seabirds, Parakeet auklets are known to frequently eat plastic pellets they find floating at sea, although in this species, harmful effects from the practice have not yet been demonstrated. The parakeet auklet, the Thea cittacula. today's talking birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 743. We hope you'll visit our new, improved, spiffy website, still at that same address, TalkinBirds.com. And we hope you follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at TalkinBirds. From down to Wimberley, Texas, Jesse Hooth is about to join us. His website is Hoothavian.com, and he is a multi-talented birder with, the, with respect to wild birds and domestic ones as well. And he joins us on the phone right now to tell us about, among other things, a remarkable trip on which he embarked just recently. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Great to have you on with us, Jesse. And uh, looking forward to hearing your description of a rather amazing and many would say scary trip that you recently took, birding to Chernobyl, site of the world's worst nuclear disaster in history. Why Chernobyl?
4: I get that question a lot, and the main reason was because that was when I was doing my master's program and I needed to get away for a bit. Mm. I've always loved abandoned places, and they were just getting ready to close up the reactor. They put a new confinement structure over it, so I wanted to get there and see it before it was completely covered up, so both of those kind of fell together, and I decided to, to Go over there for a week and unwind a little bit Mm -hmm. and see some cool birds that you don't really get to see any other
2: places as well. All right. Well, I know it's become a big tourist destination now, but what about what are the dangers and what are the precautions you have to take when you go there?
4: Well, uh, you have to go with a government guide. That's the only way you're legally allowed to go in. Some people sneak in. I definitely don't recommend that. The guide (laughs) knows the safe places to go, Mm -hmm. and when you go in there, you're given a a dosimeter, a Geiger counter, so you know exactly what you're walking through, and the radioactive areas that we went to were very isolated. We didn't go into any of the heavily contaminated places, but uh, we'd see little hot spots as we're walking around. Your Geiger counter would go crazy, and you take a few steps back, and you're fine, so it was very... Localized as long as you didn't just wander off randomly into a field somewhere. Uh, the roads were all safe to walk on. And, of course, you wear good shoes, long sleeve shirts, long pants, try not to touch the dust. And mm-hmm. as long as you don't eat anything you find there, you're usually pretty safe.
2: And what happens afterwards? Is there some post-visit uh, uh, pro- protocol involved? you have to take a shower right away or something like that?
4: Uh, to go in and out, you have to go through two checkpoints. Mm-hmm. There's the 30-kilometer exclusion zone and then the 10-kilometer zone, and each one of those has a little gate, and you go up there and they have radiation sensors. Mm-hmm. It's a full-body radiation scanner. You walk into it, you put your hands on the little scanner pads, and it scans your whole body and tells you if you're contaminated or not.
2: And if you are?
4: And if you are, then they will do the best to contamin- or to decontaminate you, hmm. but according to our guide, the only time that he's ever seen that happen was he had it happen to himself once, and it was his boots were contaminated, so he had to give up his boots, and the next time he went there, one of the guards was wearing his boots.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and what about the birds? Jesse, that's, so that's what you went there for.
4: Yeah, yes, the birds were great. Uh, the you think Chernobyl is going to be some big desolate wasteland, but it's actually more like a wildlife sanctuary because all the trees have grown back, there's vegetation, there's no human interference. Nature has kind of reclaimed it. And while there's some defects in uh, reproduction, there's still quite a few birds there. And it was great to go around and see. The first bird I saw when we got there was a white-tailed eagle flying overhead because uh, apparently all the cooling ponds were used to be used as a research hatchery for fish. So there's lots and lots of fish still there. And water is a very good uh, isol- or insulator for radioactivity. It, it stops the spread of radiation, so the, the fish are very healthy, swimming around hmm. in there, and lots of food for all the eagles. Wow! And uh, there were tons and tons of other birds there. Uh, one of the most interesting stories. I guess I heard that even the uh, guide that I was there with, the guide was just a general guide. He wasn't a a big bird watcher, but he knew about the storks. And I'd seen uh, going all around the Kiev area beforehand, I was birding outside the zone. There were lots and lots of white storks in all the little towns. They would nest on top of people's houses and on the telephone poles, and they were considered a good omen. They were a good luck people like the Mm -hmm. white storks, but they thought the black storks were bad luck, so they chased the black storks away, Mm -hmm. and the only place on this trip that I saw black storks was actually in the exclusion zone, because there were no people there to chase them away, so Mm it's kind of a (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy that the Bad luck, black storks uh, are only in the radioactive zone.
2: <laughs> well, Jesse, you're not only an avid wild bird enthusiast, but you also are an expert on chickens, right? You have your uh, you have a Correct. service to help, what, folks who are raising chickens and so on? Yes.
4: Yeah, that's actually what my degree is in. I have a, a degree in poultry science. I did my master's focus on poultry welfare and behavior. So now I work as a backyard poultry consultant. Uh, if people have any kind of issues with their chicken flocks, I'll go out and advise them Mm -hmm. if their chickens aren't laying, if they're acting weird, if they just need help picking the right breed of chickens and getting a coop set up, figuring out where to put the coop, I'll go out and help them out with and he had all of their odd little chicken questions that they don't know who else to ask.
2: Uh-huh. And uh, you also are a fellow radio show producer and host. You have a weekly, uh, weekly radio show on Wimberley Valley Radio, KWVH 94.1, every Sunday from 1230 to 1 Central. It's called Squawk Talk. And uh, you can, can we connect to that through your website? Uh, Yes,
4: it should be on, uh, there's links on the website and on the Facebook page, and there's uh, an archive on the KWBH uh, website as well. Uh, If you want to listen on the actual radio waves, you have to be right here in Wimberley, but they have a streaming service on their site as well that anyone can go to and
2: listen to all All around the world. All right, we're almost out of time, but before we go, Jesse, tell us quickly about your most creative business card alternative. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes,
4: I, I recently got a 3D printer, so I've been playing around a lot with that, and I figured out how to print little tiny, maybe four-inch square bird feeders that you can stick on your window, and I put my business information printed directly into the bird feeder, and they're very inexpensive and easy to print out, so I've been mass-producing lots of these little bird feeders to hand out to people whenever I lead a bird-watching trip or I'm just out in the
2: field somewhere. All right, we're going to have to do business with you so we can get one of those bird feeders.
4: Yes, I will send you one. I will send you one. All right. send
2: you one. Sure. Jesse's at hoothavian.com. That's H-U-T-H, com. We'll look forward to getting that uh, bird feeder, Jesse, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Coming up next here, our mystery bird contest with the actual sound of the actual mystery bird in just one minute.
5: More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands.
2: I'm Tom Barry, I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends, so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800 729s save Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Well, it's a Labor Day weekend. If you've had trouble getting through on our mystery bird contest in the past, here's a good chance to do it today. Folks are away, and here's your chance to call in and be part of our mystery bird contest and have a chance to win one of the prizes. No, actually, all three of the prizes. We have three beautiful prizes. Here's the actual sound of our mystery bird. That's that witchity-witchity thing we were talking about. A small songbird with a plain olive green back, wings and tail, its throat and upper chest are yellow. The male looks as though he may be attempting to disguise his identity, and not because he has pink legs. Our bird, which breeds through Alaska, Canada, and the U.S., In winters in the southern states and the tropics, likes to eat insects and spiders, which it gleans from foliage. The number to call, we urge you to call as soon as you can, is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Prizes include the Droll Yankees Feeder, Droll Yankees makers of the world's best bird feeders. This is the new generation 13-inch metal finch sock that combines the attraction of a finch sock with the durability of metal, and it holds a full pound of niger seed or thistle seed, if you like. Bonus prizes include a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. That is a cool thing, and it makes learning bird sounds a game. Plus, we have a 12-ounce bag of delicious bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. All of those prizes for our Mystery Bird Contest winner. And remember, even if you get the wrong answer, you may still win if nobody does get the right answer thanks to our drawing that we will conduct so 7818374900 is the number meanwhile mike o'connor will be with us momentarily from cape cod let's ask mike live in just one minute for the birds around here, and we'd like to say thanks to another Talking Birds listener who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation.
1: My name is Charlotte, and I'm from Bristol, Rhode Island. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because it just seemed like a natural next step to try to inform other people It's fun talking
2: about it. Talking Birds listeners, please consider joining our Ambassadors family. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. To do it, just go to TalkingBirds.com, click on Get Involved at the top of the page, and choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option under the Get Involved button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where the sun always shines, and the Bird Watchers General Store is always open. Well, it's open a lot, anyway, from various times. Mike O'Connor is down there. Good morning, Mike.
0: Hey, good morning, Ray, and kudos on your
2: new webpage. That is
0: really sweet. Nice job on that. I just Thank checked you. it out.
2: Looks pretty nice, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know who did it for I, I know it wasn't you.
2: Our, but if, it's no, just, that's for sure, yeah. <laughs> I know how to turn it on, but I mean, yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Kip Clark is responsible for that, along with our fabulous uh, team of uh, Debbie Bleacher and uh, Freya McGregor, oh, and, but fun. not me uh, at all, actually. So I'm looking at the uh, script here for your program uh, pr- presentation this morning, Mike. It says the topic is melting. Is that, uh, is that correct? No, that's not right. It's not right. <laughs> oh, sorry, molting, molting. I, I just, just didn't see how that was printed up. Molting. So yeah, this is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you got to
0: get those glasses
2: right. I know. Yeah. Or, molting, or a new molting. prescription. Yeah,
0: there. you know, it, it's um, it's the annual molting season, and with that, we get a lot of people. I probably talked about this before. I'm sure I have, but a lot of people who run into. We're gonna. I'm doing air quotes. I don't know if you can see it on the radio I or not. See it, but yeah. the bald. Bald Cardinals and bald Blue Jays, where the Cardinals and Blue Jays are notorious for losing all their head feathers at one time, and mm-hmm. they they look they look basically com- like they came from Chernobyl. They look <laughs> crazy, and you can see they're all heads are black. Uh, Though the and the Cardinal has that bright red beak on this little pinhead black head with these weird ear holes. They look like little baby vultures, what they they, yeah. they look like. And they're too, too notorious for losing their head feathers all at once at this time of year. It, can t- it happens other times, but 99% of it's right now. It hasn't been well studied. Nobody knows why those two birds are not particularly related at all, hmm. why it happens to them the most. But all the birds are funky right now. You know, I just had two cat land on the feeder. They look like they just got off the, the spin cycle. They're all disheveled. The <laughs> and and even house finches, people get caught with this because uh, the young house finches are molting into adult plumage and they end up with some tufts of feathers on their head. They look like they have horns. Hmm. People think they're some kind of devil bird because the little tufts of feathers are still going on. So it's, it's a weird kind of bird time now. But no one's sure why the cardinals and the blue jays go through this. And not all of them just a small percentage of them but it's enough where if you did online search you would find page after page picture after picture of bald cardinals and bald blue jays and it's the kind of creepy looking they, they think it's you know diet or mites Mites get pointed out a lot and mm. parasites or some kind of trauma why it affects them but why just these two birds we don't we don't know but you know um you know i've been selling bird to with rogaine to help them the problem.
2: How's As that working people? out? Yeah,
0: it's yeah. not like you yeah. would think, but they do grow back. So just kind of put up with it for a little while, and and uh, a few weeks, they'll, they'll
2: look like the pretty cardinals and blue jays once again. All right, they're not melting; they're just molting, and they'll be okay. <laughs> All right. sure. Talk to you next All week, right, happy Mike. Labor Day. All right, happy Labor Day to you. We'll go to the uh, back. We'll go back to the mystery Word contest right after this.
3: The September-October issue of Birdwatching Magazine is now available at Barnes & Noble and other newsstands. It features a story about the uncertain future of the whooping crane, tips for photographing birds that fly fast, and a guide to fall and winter birding festivals. Plus, Ken Kaufman describes how to identify wandering tattler, David Sibley provides a closer look at crows, and much more. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com.
2: So right there, can you hear that? Can you hear that? It's, it's our mystery bird, a small songbird with a plain olive green back, wings, and tail. Its throat and upper chest are yellow. The male looks as though he may be attempting to disguise his identity. That's kind of a pretty big clue there. Uh, so, what is our mystery bird? Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred is the number. We have that beautiful raft of prizes from Joel Yankees and Larkwire and Birds and Beans Coffee. And John in Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh, I believe, thinks he might. Uh, have the answer there. Uh, good morning, John. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Happy uh, Labor Day weekend to you, John, and what do you think our mystery bird uh, uh, might be there? That sounds like a yellow-throat warbler to me, right? Yellow-throat warbler, he says, John says it. Uh... <laughs> okay not have to go that far. That doesn't sound like it was the correct answer, somehow. I don't know. I could be. I could you didn't be need to go to that extreme. Yeah, that sounded kind of, yeah, like I said, a sort of negative quality there. Uh, well, anyway, a top quality guest, John, but not a yellow. Uh, what did you say? Yellow throated warbler, right? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't it, apparently. Well, wait. Thanks for uh, Let me try. All right. Try again. Thank you, John. Alright, we, uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on i not a yellow-throated warbler but we have Donna somewhere in Michigan who uh, also has an idea what this uh, bird might be Good morning, Donna
5: Hi, Ray
2: Hi, how are you? Where in Michigan, Donna
5: I'm in Rockwood, I just moved from Dearborn I'm the one that teaches birding by ear at the University of Michigan and that's how I know the answer because you said, witchity, witchity
2: Ah, you didn't even have to actually hear the bird itself is what you're saying there right yeah so uh let's see if you're if if that's really true what you're saying donna what what do you say the bird is
5: i believe it's a common yellow throat
2: let me check Uh, yes that does appear to be correct common common yellow throat is uh absolutely uh absolutely correct nice uh nice job donna and how are those birding by ear things going how's that working out
5: Wonderful, wonderful! We're doing tree identification next week by touch.
2: Tree identification by touch.
5: Remember, I teach blind students.
2: Oh, yes, indeed. Right. So the texture of the bark will help you identify. Yeah,
5: and the shape of the leaves while they're still there. Shape of the leaves Just the as whole well. Combo deal. And wow. by now, some of the fruit.
2: Do you have a website or anything where people can look up? Look about? Look, look at this.
5: University of Michigan.
2: uh, Environmental Interpretive Center. University of Michigan um, Environmental Interpretive Center. We'll search for that. Donna, thank you. Stay on the line. We'll get your address and send you those prizes. And thank you so much. Thank you. I believe we are out of time for the show. Don't forget, Audubon Society of Rhode Island, Raptor Weekend, we will be there live next weekend. See you next week.
0: Ray Brown's Talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee birdsandbeans.com and And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. September means back to school and back to binoculars as we watch for the start of the fall migration. We hope you'll continue your schooling by coming for a free walk with us. Ocean State Bird Club is on Facebook and at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. That's www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club.